you know, I believe there are some things that we as the church really need to know. We need to know. Faith is our principal activity that allows us to receive God's blessings. And God wants every one of us to have wealth. Meaning that he wants you to have more than enough. When I use the word wealth, it means to have more than enough. God wants you to be supplied in all of your needs. And when you struggle in, or you strive into doing new things, going into new businesses and doing new things, God wants you to be a success. And there's labor you can have, but God wants to come on top of that and make it supernatural and let you survive and increase and enlarge. But God also wants you to be healed. He wants your body well. We've all gone through different things and there are things that have happened in our lives But God, uh, th that made you sick or give you pain. But God doesn't want you in pain. He doesn't want you sick and diseased. By Jesus' stripes, we're healed. That's a promise of the Lord. These are things that have already been accomplished. They're not things that God is going to do. Sometimes we just think God wants to do things for us. But God has already done these things for us. He's already provided the blessings that, that make us rich and add no sorrow thereto. Thank God we don't have to live poor and defeated. But we can live encouraged and blessed of the Lord. He's already provided healing. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. He already provided your healing. These are the things that the grace of God has given to us that he provided through Jesus, his son. Jesus came and he, was, he has provided for us everything we need to succeed. There's nothing that is undone, nothing missing, nothing broken in God. We have all that we need to succeed and do what he wants us to do. That dominion that existed in the Garden of Eden is still available to us today. It's what God has designed for our life. And so this is what God has provided. There's provisions available to us. But he said there's a way to receive them. You see, we can't just have the grace side and not understand the provisions come from God, but yet there's something in addition. It's faith. Faith is required for us to have everything God wants us to have. I'm saying this because the subject matter that I'm speaking of today is sometimes hard and difficult to handle by people. But I don't want it to be. I want you to understand that God wants you to go further than you are, do more than you've ever done, achieve and succeed in ways you've never achieved and never succeeded. And so he gave us faith and his grace to achieve it. See, even the very first thing, salvation itself, to be saved, you have to have the grace of God. For by grace are you saved. But it's not just grace. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is the provider of the thing grace already has done. And so today, God has designed life so that you and I can live it with the provision of God and the faith that he's asked us to live with. And he says this in Mark 11, 22, 23. And 24 and 25. Listen to what it says in Mark 11, our faith scripture. One of the best faith scriptures for us today. And so it says this, Jesus answered, said to them, have the faith of God. You and I are to have God's kind of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the thing that he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Bless God, you shall have them. Now, that's faith. This is how we receive. This is the subject matter of faith. 
That if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, that we speak the word of God. We confess over, we say the things God says. We speak God's word over the top of situations. That when we say to the mountain, be thou removed, plucked up and cast in the sea. And don't doubt in our heart, but believe the thing that we say will come to pass. We'll have what we say. That's the word of God. Thank God you and I can live blessed. Just yell out, I'm blessed. blessed. Say, "I'm I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm delivered. I have recovered. I'm all God wants me to be. Now that's true on the inside, isn't it? That's true on the inside. But there's another scripture added to this. And we need to acknowledge this to understand how this faith thing works. Because if there's something between you and those provisions, then you won't have them. You can't live in them. You can't walk in them. And I could spend hours talking about, about God's forgiveness with you and how God has forgiven you. But for you to experience his fullness, for you to experience that full development of God's grace, you have to do this. Verse 25 says, and when you stand praying, he used the word forgive. Forgive. See, people live in bitterness. They live in harm and hurt. And I want you to go back today. When I get done with this part of the sermon, this is a secondary sermon. I'm going to add something today in this part I didn't put in the first part. I want to add it. I want you to get it all today so that you can have the fullness of what God wants you to have. But God is clear here that in order for you to have everything he's declared over you, you have to walk in this word forgive. If you have ought against him, that, that is an inclusive term that deals with all, every ought. It's not just some ought, but all ought. And it says this, it says that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. To walk in the blessings of God, you and I must walk in forgiveness. Now forgiveness is not that we don't acknowledge what already occurred. See, we're already, you know, let's just talk about our position today. As a pastor, I'm not going to, I'm not shy of the fact that what we saw and what we've been experiencing as a nation and as a people has to be dealt with. You and I and all of us must be real about the situation. What we saw with George Floyd needs to be dealt with. We as a nation, as a people, need to stand up as a whole and speak against injustice, indifference, against racism and everything else. Listen, the church of God has to stand up and declare truth. We have to stand up and preach truth. And that truth is that people are not to be abused. They're not to be torn down. They're not to be uh, destroyed. Their lives are not to be taken unjustly. We are to live a life of wholeness, fullness, that God wants us full. And I'm going to say this today. When the church stands up the way it should, everything's going to turn in the right direction. God has declared that we need to have a vision to move forward. I'm ready to march in the riots too, but I want to march in the right one. I want to stand up in the right way. I'm not about burning down buildings. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. Amen. But I will stand up for injustice and I will begin to speak and say and like we have been doing, confessing God's word over this thing because it has to change. Environments must change. This has got to change for all men and especially for black America. Somebody say amen. Amen. And we need to all stand together and change the environment. I wish somebody would shout out amen. 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 This has to be preached from every pulpit. It's got to be said by everyone. Amen. And it's an injustice that has to be taken care of. And so I thank God that we're going to do that. But when we do, see the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 
but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want you to know something. The fervent, effectual prayers of righteous men and women avail much. Church, we have a power at our hand to change this situation. And no matter what anybody says, listen to me. The power of God will be stronger than the government. The power of God will be stronger than a man. The power of God will be stronger than a group of people. This is God we're talking about. We need God involved. We need God to come in. We need God to work. And he does it when we pray. Somebody say amen. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Yes, we should march, but we should do it with God. We should do it with the Lord. We should do it on the plans of heaven. Somebody say amen. And he said to forgive. Now, I may not want to go out and eat with you again. I don't have to agree with what you did ever. I will not. But I I can forgive. That means I remove myself from the feelings of what you've done against me from allowing you to dominate me. I wish somebody got what I just said. It's about you, me, that's a me saying, I will forgive you in my heart for what you did to me, for how I feel about what you did about me, because I can't allow you to dominate my life. I can't allow you to dominate my thinking. I can't allow you to contaminate my future. I'm not going to hold that in me. I hope somebody's getting what I'm talking about. Because I don't have to like what you did. I don't ever have to eat with you again. We don't ever have to hang out. I may want to see you go to prison forever and ever and ever. But I'm not going to let what you did affect me forever. I'm not hanging on to it. I'm not building my life on your racism. I'm not building my life on your foolishness and your idiocracy and your, what you tormented that man with. I think it's wrong. I'll fight against that because the Bible says to fight against that. It says that we're not to do that. Love one another as I have loved you. I'll stand. Haven't done all to stand. But I'm not allowing that in my spirit to contaminate me. My decisions are not based on what you did. I hope I'm helping somebody. Because I see people, listen, I, I deal with a church full of people. And, there, and, and as we come back to the church, we knew it'd be a while. People getting off the internet, coming back to the house of God, getting the church back in their spirit. And so we know that it'll be a while before the church gets full and all those things. But I, I deal with people in the church who have defined their entire personalities and have lived their entire lives off of hurts and offenses and things that were, were uh, dealt towards them years and years and years ago. When they were children, when they were in former marriages, when they were in situations that caused problems, racism included, where people of, the, uh, uh, of uh, black descent grew up with hate and indifference and were treated inappropriately and wrongly. And, 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 but you can't allow that thing to seed inside of you that all you can think about is what the white man did. Or what the somebody did. Or what the man that you married and he did you wrong did. Yes, it's wrong, but I can't let that determine my wealth. I can't let that determine my health. See, you say, what are you talking about? Look, you can turn on the internet today and see people that when they speak and when they talk, it is not with a heart of forgiveness. It is out of bitterness. Something about their life. Something about a, 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 something they dealt with. You know, dealing with it and trying to triumph over it 
has become so embedded inside of them that all, all the time, all along in their life, they get provoked. And all of a sudden, their discussion is not discussions about change and vision and transformation and healing and deliverance. It's about who did me wrong. Nobody shout. Yes, transformation has to come. Yes, a new vision. I'm believing. I'm seeing ministers. I begin to prophesy that men were going to stand up and begin to speak the word of God in our nation and transform it by the words of the Lord. Change the police department. Change the government. Change the situation. And that there would be a, a change that came by the work of the Holy Spirit because our weapons are not carnal. Somebody ought to shout out amen. You ought to say, I am called to make a difference. With the help of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not careful. See I see people they remain sick and diseased. They remain tormented. They can't get rid of things. That they should have had off of them years and years ago. And they continue to be tormented by the same calamities. They end up in hospitals. Seeing psychiatrists. Dealing with situations. Over and over. And they just can't come out. Because they have something. That has become bitterness in their spirit. And they won't release it. They won't let it go. They won't get over it. Somebody ought to say amen right there. But you got to get over it. The Bible says unless you forgive, you won't walk in the blessings of the Lord. You won't walk in the things God has entitled for you to walk in. Forgiveness is something God has called us to do. I want us to go to another scripture that I think will make a big impact. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. And I want to look at verses 1 through 6. Luke 17 verses 1 through 6. Luke 17 verses 1 through 6. The Bible says this, then Jesus said, or he said to his disciples, it is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. To you and I, living as born-again believers, there will not be a day that goes by that we are not vulnerable to or that we could not be subject to an offense. Somebody ought to shout out, hey man. I know that's not what you want to hear. But if I'm going to walk in these blessings, see, I believe God wants you wealthy. I believe God wants you healthy. I believe God wants you to come out. But if you continue to, if we can continue to draw off of the thing that has bound you, you can see it. I can see it. You, listen, you listen to somebody's mouth long enough. Come on. And eventually, you'll know where they stand. They can fake it here, but what will they sound like over there? I want somebody to shout out amen right there. You can say one thing here and say something else over there. You can act one way here and act some way else over here. But every one of us was called to act like Jesus. Somebody ought to shout out, I'm going to do that. Now, this is important that you get this because he says it's impossible, but that offenses will come. If you want to live an offense-free life, you've got to be dead. You'd have to pray for God to let you go home to heaven because you're going to live in a life that has offenses. You're going to live at moments with their offenses. God says we're not to be the contributor to the offenses. Listen to the next verse, verse 2. It were better for a millstone to be hung around that person's neck and he cast in the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3, take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. 
And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in that day he comes back to you and asks for forgiveness, he said, you're to forgive him. Man, the disciples went ballistic here. They started hearing this, this from God, and I think every one of us should sort of think the same way. Give me more faith. I know there's grace out there, but Lord Almighty, you're telling me if somebody hurts me, wounds me, offends me, that I am to take this thing and to forgive them. And I'm not just to forgive them once, but seven times? Continue forgiving them if they come and ask for forgiveness? That's exactly what he said. We cannot live with a defense-filled life. We must live without bitterness. Look at somebody say, you've got to live without bitterness. That goes back to when you were raised and you were mistreated. It goes back to your parents when they didn't treat you right. It goes back to the playgrounds when you were hurt. It goes back to when people rejected you for things that you were rejected for. It goes back to jobs that fired you. It goes back to people that have done you wrong. See, if you leave those things in your spirit, they will contaminate you. You will become indifferent. You will become afraid. You will become a source of bitterness. You'll have uh, 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 all kinds of malady related to it. And you'll carry these things around. You'll carry fear around. And God doesn't want you to live like that. And he says, if they trespass against you, forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said this. Listen to what he said. He said, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed. Look at somebody say, a grain of mustard seed. Now, I know that we've applied this to everything in the world, and we've used this to try and say that it only takes this to get healed and all those kinds of things. But the application of this scripture is actually towards the area of forgiveness. And to be realistic about it, it is about rebuke. It is not about, it is telling the people here, if you had the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say unto this sycamine tree, I like to just point out the point that he used a couple of words here. If we had faith as a grain of mustard seed, and then he said this sycamine tree, this. He didn't say palm tree. He didn't say uh, any other type of tree. He said sycamine tree because he was pointing out that this tree is the example of offense and bitterness, of unforgiveness. This tree. This tree is, to, is, is a perfect example of what happens to an individual who has unforgiveness and lives in bitterness i mean we don't even know we're doing it but if we look back on our lives if i could just get people to look back and realize where they're hanging on to disease because they can't get rid of it but when you can get rid of it you can start to walk in god's love when we walk with god's forgiveness and we walk in that light we're walking in god's love the word here a grain of mustard seed was god telling them it don't take nothing to forgive isn't that interesting? He said, you already have a measure of faith when you get saved. He said, you only need a tiny, tiny seed level of faith, the seed level, the size of a grain of mustard seed, to get out of your unforgiveness. And people come back, this is the disciples, they're standing there saying, how do we do this? How do we live in this kind of forgiveness? How do I get past this? And Jesus said, it's your choice. It's simply your decision whether or not you'll continue to hash it up, bring it up over and over and over and over again. There are people that every time something goes against something that they stand so strongly for, not because it's what they really believe, but it's what they've stood against 
For years and years and years, they can't walk in forgiveness. They have to stand up and say, and beat their chest and say, and, and put their part in. And it's never kind. It's never just. It's always about hating somebody. Somebody's awful. Somebody's terrible. It's their fault. They caused it. They're awful because they're still hung up where somebody hurt them. They're still wet back in that day when somebody denied, when they had to fight a race or fight somebody for their right to do something that they believe was right to do. I'm not talking about sin. God does not condone sin. But he says when we walk this way, we have to walk in forgiveness. Somebody ought to shout out amen right there. How many of you want everything God has for you? Then there'd be no sense me preaching if I could not preach to you that there could be a barrier between you and your blessing. When you're back in the back and, and you're talking about people and you're manifesting negative things and speaking harsh words and criticizing everything, it's because somewhere there's a bitterness on the inside. You can't afford it. Amy and I have made up our mind. We can't walk in bitterness. We can't walk in unforgiveness in any condition, under any circumstances with anybody. We have to forgive them. That does not mean I forgive what they did, that I forgot it. I remembered what they did. I may have trust issues with them, but I have forgiven them. I will not allow what they did to remain in me to the point that I cannot walk past it. That it continues to burn me up. That it continues to tear me up. How they treated me. Do you hear what I'm trying to say to you this morning? There are those that you're hanging on to this terrible unforgiveness and you can't fix it because they won't do what they're supposed to do and you can't change it so you've internalized your hate towards them and it's become a disease in you. You got to get it out. And he used the sycamine tree for a reason. Why did he use the sycamine tree? Let's look at the sycamine tree. Let's just look at what this is because it is the perfect example of unforgiveness. The first point of the sycamine tree is this, that the sycamine tree had the deepest roots of any tree around it. Now, I just dug a well for the, for the field across the street. They went down 30 to 50 feet in the ground, maybe even more. And I didn't really understand wells, but they go down into the sand. There's water sand. When they get to a certain point, they get down to water sand. It's not like a water. I always thought there was like a water stream or a pit. With water in it, but that's not what it is. And when they get down there, they put a pipe down there with these slits in it, really tiny slits, and it allows the pipe to be filled with water. When the water fills the pipe, the pump at the bottom will suck the water from the top to the bottom of the pipe, and the pipe will refill from top to bottom, and you'll have constant water when you dig a well. This tree could go down and dig itself the deepest of any tree. How many of you understand unforgiveness is the deepest well in our life? Somebody ought to say amen. It's the deepest well in our life. When Jesus used the word this to refer to this particular tree, he was saying that bitterness and unforgiveness is like the sycamine tree. And so the very deep roots, sycamine, this is some concordant stuff. The sycamine tree was known to have one of the deepest root structures of all trees in the Middle East. It was a vigorous and robust tree that grew to the height of about 30 feet or more because the roots went down so deep into the earth, it was very difficult to kill. Hot weather and blistering temperatures had little effect on the tree because it had tapped so deeply into the water source. Bitterness and unforgiveness gets deep into our spirits. It gets deep in our spirits. And it transforms us when we can't release it. 
People get hurt in church. They get hurt on their job. They get hurt in marriages. They get hurt, and they can't release it. They can't get free from it because they haven't made the decision to use that little tiny measure of faith. Even cutting it down would mean you'd had to cut it to the roots, enabling it to keep resurfacing again and again if you never actually dealt with what it was, what the roots that it was on. In other words, this tree was very difficult to eradicate. No wonder Jesus used this tree to examine it for us. The roots of bitterness and unforgiveness go down into the human soul, and they feed the offenses that they lie hidden in the soil of our heart. Those hidden sources of offense will cause us to do evil things and cause evil to to come out of us against other people. It will take a serious decision for that person to rip up those roots of bitterness and offense out of their heart once all of this and grow back into their new future. Number two. The sycamine tree wood was preferred as the wood to build caskets. It was the wood to build the thing you died in. Everyone used it because it would grow so thoroughly and so fully. It was so strong in the ground. This is unforgiveness. When we allow bitterness to exist in us, it becomes the casket for our life. It's the casket we live in. It'll be the casket of our future. This is why he used this tree. They used it to bury people in. In fact, it doesn't take too long to look at all these evil forces and get out of control and start thinking, uh, taking over the whole place. When these fast-growing and ugly attitudes are allowed to grow freely in us, they not only spoil the condition of our own heart, but they ruin the relationships with other people. Also, just as the sycamine tree grew easily in every environment, so does bitterness. It doesn't matter where people are from, where they live, what kind of cultural background they come up in, or what level of society they belong to. Bitterness and unforgiveness grow in the human heart everywhere, for they are universal in their scope of evil influence. The sycamine tree grew best where there was no rainfall or water, and the water was sparse. It's like a bitterness that that existed. These negative attitudes flourished in every spiritual dry condition. When we're dry, it grows. It tells us that bitterness and unforgiveness are deadly. Harboring bitterness will spiritually bury you more quickly than anything else. It'll take your life. We have to live in forgiveness. We ought to be happy about this today. Say thank you, Pastor Steve, for preaching truth to us. There are people listening to me today. They're living in bitterness. This thing that has happened with George Floyd, they're not speaking God words. They're out there attaching themselves to other people with evil spirits. And and, and the Bible tells us you have to be careful who you associate with. Because if you hang around the wrong people, you'll say and do the wrong things. There are people that will join up with you. That does not mean they are spiritually uh, right to be with you. You can't have those kinds of spirits dictating to you and driving your life to where where you can speak evil things. I see it happening all the time. I watch these familiar spirits join together and commit. That's why, you know, not all of this protesting that we've seen, burning down Macy's and stealing all the Apple goods out of the Apple stores, not all of that came from people living in those neighborhoods. There were people that were sent there on an assignment. They go to these places and they they insert themselves into people of protest and they begin to do things to migrate people towards what they do. It's the truth anyhow. I thank God I've looked around Florence and I've looked around Columbia and I've watched our protests and we've not burnt down any buildings. We've not tore down any houses. We've not shot anybody. 
And I believe, I'm just telling you, because we began to pray and seek God. We stood up as a church and said, those things are not going to come here. And we're going to stand against them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to say something that makes an impact and a difference in this world. Rather than taking away, we got to deal with this thing correctly. And thank God there is a voice coming from the house of God that's going to transform the entire environment. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Be careful who you let on your Facebook page. Be careful who you let to comment and say stuff that that generates you to say and do things you shouldn't say and you shouldn't do. Christians need to get on their face before the Lord and say, God, I need your help to forgive. Come on, somebody. Don't let those roots be so deep. Begin to dig up the sycamine tree. Begin to realize that if you don't curse death in your life, You'll have death over your life. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Number three, the sycamine tree was a sour and bitter fruit. It looked like it was part of the, the fruit tree of, the, uh, 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 of a different type. And so people would come to it and they would want to get a sweet fruit, but it didn't have that sweet fruit. It had a bitter fruit. Not only that, but it was shared mainly because the sweeter fruit was held, was held as uh, that which rich people or people with wealth would have. And so this was also considered a fruit for poor people. And so this fruit that came off of this thing would lead people in a different environment. Jesus let us know that like the sycamine fruit, the fruit of bitterness and unforgiveness is bitter. It's tart. It's pungent. When you write that Facebook post and, and, and quote and you talk about it on Twitter and you talk about who you hate and what idiots doing this and what morons running this and what stupid person's doing this and how can everybody think about that? They're so stupid and they're a bunch of idiots. I want you to think about how you feel when you got done writing it. Did you feel clean? Did you feel like Jesus was working in you? Did you feel like the fruit of the Spirit was an example in your life? At the end of the day, it's not a bracelet we wear. You could be wearing a, 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 a Jesus bracelet, but if your heart doesn't have Jesus operating, we need to resolve that condition, and we need to stop being the sycamine tree. Come on, somebody. I pray that what I say comes as prophetic utterance to you, that you could finally understand we're not repugnant. We're not ruthless. We're not dictatorial. We're not hateful. We're full of love. By this shall all men know you are my disciples if you love one another. You don't have to stay there. Come on out here. Come on out here with God. Come up with God. Come into God's presence. And God will use you to say and do great things. Like the fig tree, most people who are bitter are filled with unforgiveness. They chew on their feelings for a long, long time. They nibble on bitterness for a while. Then they pause to digest what they've eaten. After they have reflected deeply on their offenses, they return to the, to, uh, to the, memor- the memory table to start nibbling and biting and having bitterness again. Taking one little bite, then taking another little bite, then another. And they continue to think and meditate on their offense. They internalize their bitter feelings towards those who offended them. In the end, their perpetual nibbling and poisonous fruit of bitterness make them bitter, sour people. 
And just like the, the primary purpose of the sycamine tree had uh, the primary, con- those that consumed the sycamine tree were poor people. Those who sit around and constantly meditate on every wrong that has been done to them are usually bound up with all kinds of poverty. Spiritual poverty. Their bitter attitude not only makes them spiritually poor, but they are frequently defeated, depressed, sick, and financially poor as well. I'm not living there. I don't want that in my life. I want a life filled with all the goodness of God. This message ought to make you look inside and say, God, I can change something. I can be against something, but I don't have to have hate. What we saw... From the police officer on George Floyd was hate. What we saw was Satan himself. What we saw that man do was of a bitterness that you and I cannot have. We are not happy with what he did. We hate what he did. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Why would I want to be him? No, I don't want to be him. I want to be the one that transforms what he did. Somebody say amen. It's going to change. The last thing about the sycamine tree is that to pollinate the sycamine tree, only wasps could do it. It had to be stung by a wasp. The only way to pollinate it. It's very interesting to note that the sycamine tree was not naturally pollinated. The pollination process was only initiated when wasps struck it or stung it and stung it in the heart of the fruit. Thus, the tree and its fruit had to be stung in order to be reproduced. Think of how many times that we have heard the bitter person say, I've been stung by that person. But I'm not going to be stung again. What he did hurt me so badly that I'll never let him get close enough to me to sting me again. It's like saying that people who make such statements have been stung by a situation that the devil has devised to pollinate their lives and souls with bitterness. Wow. When a person talks like this, you cannot know, you can know for sure that the wasp has bitten them and gotten them into bitterness. Faith is the grain of mustard seed. Jesus said, in order for us to rid ourselves of this nuisance in our life, we have to have faith as a grain of mustard seed. The word grain in the Greek means is comes from the word kokokos. And it's described a seed, a grain, or a very small kernel. Jesus used the example of the mustard seed in this example. The word mustard in the Greek means, uh, Greek is a Greek word, sinipi, which refers to the small mustard seed that grows from a tiny, minuscule seed. By using this word, Jesus has told his disciples that a great amount of faith is not needed to deal with bitterness and unforgiveness. Any person who has even a tiny measure of faith can speak, a bit, speak to bitterness and unforgiveness and command it to leave them if they really had the desire in their heart. Today I want to tell you something. You and I, all we need. This scripture doesn't refer to everything else. It refers to bitterness. It refers to unforgiveness. It refers to hate that comes in our heart. I want to speak to my church. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And in serving God, we're going to walk this thing out with the forgiveness of God. And we're going to speak words that don't come from hate in our heart, but come from the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to act out of the love of Christ Jesus. We're going to do things that make and transfer. I believe we're at the precipice, at the very beginning of two things. The first thing that I believe is that you and I are at the very beginning of a change in our country. 
coming out of coronavirus and now dealing with this situation, I do believe that we're going to see a change in our government, a change in our local governments, a change in our police departments, a change in the protocols, a change in race relations. I believe that we're going to have more discussions between us than we've ever had before. We're going to speak in ways we've never spoken before. And we are going to see injustice among the races. And it's not just black. It's among all races. But especially in this black and white condition that the Lord Jesus Christ will speak a word for us. And we're going to do something else. We're going to walk in a revival like we've never walked in before. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the I believe. I believe this, Brother Mark. I believe that we are about to walk in the greatest days the church has ever seen. We're going to see more miracles and more deliverance and more healings and more things. The things that we could only have dreamed about are going to surface in our churches. Let us be a church filled with such presence and so much power of God, so much unity and so much anointing. See, when they came together and became, in, in the Bible says, in unity, when they unified, the glory of the Lord came so much so that a cloud entered the room and they could not stand to speak by reason of the cloud. This morning, I believe that cloud is coming. The cloud of his glory. Come on, would you lift your hands in this room? I believe that. I want you to say this out loud. I will walk in forgiveness. I will not walk in bitterness. Jesus has delivered me. Jesus has set me free. I receive it now.